We have been in this series that I've titled Principles in Ruth. This is now the sixth week. And so far, we have looked at some very important principles that will transform and revolutionize your life. In the first message, we looked at the principles of choice and how the choices, the decisions that we make can impact us for a lifetime, whether for good or whether for bad. Then we looked at the principle of testimony and what would our life testimony be uh, if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ, regardless as to the circumstances, we want our testimony to be one of appreciation and loyalty. Then we looked at the principle of character, what it takes to be a godly man or woman of character, to be, to be godly in our commitment, guided in our choice, and gracious in our conduct. Then we looked at the principle of grace and how grace applies and what God does in terms of how he works through people to manifest his goodness and his grace in our life. And then we looked at discernment and how we can discern for ourselves what the will of God is. Today I want to look at the subject, R&B, the song of redemption. Uh, the relationship between Ruth and Boaz is one upon which we could pin the tagline, and they lived happily ever after. Yet we don't see any flowers, any candy, or anything of a romantic courtship at all. We do see, however, the song of redemption weaved throughout their relationship. This theme is so entrenched in their lives that it occurs more than 20 times in these four chapters, and it paints a wonderful picture for Christ and his church. Ruth is really a type of church, and Boaz is a type of Christ. The song of their relationship helps us understand that redemption is about overcoming rejection and uncertainty, restoring what was lost, and reclaiming the future. Let's look at the text. <clears throat> now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, 
I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have brought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel, May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. This theme of redemption is so entrenched in the lives of Ruth and Boaz, that all throughout, beginning in chapter 2, we see the whole notion of a redeemer. Uh, it re occurs one time in chapter 2, six times in chapter 3, and now in chapter 4, we crescendo with 13 times that redemption, a redeemer, is mentioned. This text shows us that redemption is about overcoming rejection and uncertainty. Redemption is about overcoming rejection and uncertainty. Redemption is about overcoming rejection and uncertainty. An interesting thing happens in our text. There is a near kinsman that Boaz confronts with the city elders to let them know that property is available. And the Redeemer says, I will redeem it. Interestingly enough, his name is not mentioned, nor is he ever heard of again in all of Scripture. And perhaps rightfully so, because even though he says, I will redeem it. He later changed his mind. The reason I highlight this aspect of redeeming it is there were five criteria that were necessary for a person to be qualified as a redeemer. Number one, he had to be a near kinsman, a close relative of the man whose property was being redeemed. 
Number two, he had to be free to redeem it. A person who had been sold into slavery had an obligation for himself and was not free to redeem, to buy back anything from a near kinsman. Number three, he had to be willing. Willing to do it not from a standpoint of duty, but really emphasizing the aspect of love for his brother. For in order to buy it back, he had to be wealthy. This was not something that a poor person could do or a person who was just making it could do. And then finally, he had to be able. What has happened is, is that uh, Elimelech had land uh, when he left Bethlehem of Judea to go to Moab. The land would naturally fall to his sons, uh, Malon being the oldest and Chilion the youngest. The oldest would get two-thirds and the younger would get one-third. These two sons died, having married, but no male offspring for the land to pass on to. Naomi, the widow, uh, as she has returned back to Moab, af I'm back from Moab after having spent 10 years in Moab, uh, is living an impoverished life. And just because she owns the land doesn't mean that she has the means to work it or to make a living on it. So she sells the one thing that she has. God had given a provision within the land that if a person became poor and sold their property, that the nearest relative could buy it uh, for to redeem it. We see that in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 25. It says, if your brother becomes poor and sells part of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his brother has sold. It was God's desire that there would not be poverty in the land of Israel. Does God always get his way? The answer to that is plain and simply no. Should God always get his way? Yes, absolutely. But because God's way and God's will involves us, and we don't always do what God desires us to do, then God does not always get his way. And Naomi is impoverished. She's going to sell the land to use the resources to be able to live. And now she's going to sell it to the nearest relative. He says, I will redeem it. Well, there's a caveat that goes with this because Elimelech had two sons, both of whom got married and had wives and left them as widows. However, one of them, Orpah, remained in the country of Moab. Ruth has sought refuge with her mother-in-law, has clung to her, has been joined to her, has accepted her way, her customs, her people, her country, and her God. Ruth, therefore, falls under the law that God had given concerning a man who dies. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 25, verse 5, if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, 
Certainly that's the case of Ruth. The wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Even though she's a foreigner living in, in Bethlehem. Because she has been adopted into the family through marriage. And now Naomi maintains that covenant relationship. She falls under this provision. The Bible says her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife. Well, the brother has died. That means the near kinsman would have to come in and perform the duty of a husband to her brother. Interesting happens then back in the story of Ruth. Because Boaz says to this redeemer, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer says, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. I want you to notice this is not a change of heart. This is a change of circumstance. I said there were five criteria that were necessary in order for him to redeem it. He had to be near kinsman. He is. He had to be free to redeem it. He was. He had to be willing to redeem it. He immediately, without hesitation, says, I will redeem it. He had to be wealthy enough. It's not an issue of money. He was wealthy, but he had to be able. And here we see the one thing that disqualifies him. He was not able. The Bible says, lest I impair my own inheritance. I want to offer to us at least three reasons why he may not have been able. Number one, it's one thing to be able to afford the purchase price to redeem land is another thing to be able to afford a wife. Perhaps he was wealthy enough to buy the property, but was not wealthy enough to provide a, a home and to be a husband to Ruth. That's a possibility. We don't see that in the text, but it is a possibility. Another possibility that he may not have been able is because Ruth is a Moabite. And perhaps he's thinking that whatever happened to Malon could happen to him. He could face death because the law of God forbidded marrying a woman from Moab. That ought to sound reasonable to every child of God because you can love the Lord, be bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, and still be superstitious. Many people are afraid of what will happen to them if they break a mirror. Some are afraid what might happen if they open up an umbrella inside. Yes, you can be godly and unfortunately superstitious at the same time. There's one reason that we see in the text, and it says, lest I impair my own inheritance. And from this, there are a lot of things that we can see that fit and remain faithful to the text. 
this man was not married and had no offspring. The son that Ruth would give to him as his wife would have the right to redeemed property that's on Ruth's side from a previous marriage. Also, the son that Ruth would have would be his son and would have all stake and claim to his own property. And he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do that. You see, redemption is about overcoming rejection and uncertainty. He wants the property, but he doesn't want Ruth. Said in more modern vernacular, Ruth comes with too much baggage. Uh, she's from another country. She's an outsider, not really an insider. Uh, her son gets the redeemed property and can lay claim to all of his property. Beloved, I sent this a picture of Christ and his church and all human relationships come with baggage, scars from past hurts, fears from past disappointments, hangups, from past failures, uncertainty, from past rejections. Boaz was willing and able to step in and to be a part of the redemptive process in Ruth's life. He was willing and he was able. You and I need to know that everybody who's willing is not necessarily able. And those who are able might not necessarily be willing, but Boaz is willing and able to help Ruth overcome rejection and uncertainty in her life. How would you feel if someone wanted your possessions but didn't want your presence? What Boaz did for Ruth, Jesus has done for you and me. He overlooked scars from past hurts. He looked beyond past disappointments, my hangups, our hangups from past failures didn't keep him from seeing our potential. Jesus thought I was worth saving, so he came into my life. He thought I was worth keeping, so he cleaned me up inside. He thought I was to die for, so he sacrificed his life. He loved me not because of, but he loved me in spite of. Yes, beloved, redemption is about overcoming rejection and uncertainty. Redemption is also about restoring what was lost. Restoring what was lost. Restoring what was lost. Let's look at the text. Ruth chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belong to Elimelech and all that belong to Chilion and Malon. And Ruth 
the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. What Ruth has lost, she now has restored because of redemption. She lost her husband. She lost the opportunity to be the mother, to be a mother. She had no standing in Jewish law. She lost her land. Now it's all being restored to her what has been lost. I ask myself, how is it, or rather, why is it that this should happen to Ruth? The Holy Spirit said, the answer is in chapter 2. You see, when things looked bleak for Ruth in chapter 2, she found refuge in the God who pays and rewards. Ruth chapter 2 verse 12, these are the words that Boaz spoke to her when they first met. He says, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Uh, the word repay here in the text is the Hebrew word shalem. It means to be complete, to be full, to be perfect, to be satisfied. The idea is, is when you take refuge in the Lord, the God of creation, the covenant-keeping God, the God who makes a promise and when he does, he obligates himself to keep it, lest he not keep it and disqualify himself to be God. He specializes in restoring ones who take refuge in him to a complete, full, perfectly satisfying state. You see, because God specializes in restoring what we lose when we lose our joy. He knows how to give you joy in the midst of sorrow. When we lost courage, he knows how to take us close in his Jehovistic arms and hold us because perfect love cast out fear and courage can flood our soul. When we lose trust because we've been hurt in our human relationships, God knows how to restore trust in you. When we're feeling insecure and lose our security, God knows how to bring us to full satisfaction and security in him. When there's no hope, no expectation of things turning out good or working in our favor, the God of creation knows how to restore it. When there's no love in your life, <laughs> He knows how to restore that sense of love and worth by his death on the cross, saying that you are valuable, acceptable, that you're lovable, useful, forgivable, and capable. He knows how to restore it. And when you need peace, he knows how to give you peace. Not the absence of any chaos, but in the midst of chaos, how to overwhelm you 
with this peace because he specializes in restoring you to a complete, full, perfect, and satisfying state because he is the God of creation. If what you need is not on his store shelf, he has the ability to manufacture it specifically for you and me to give us peace in the midst of our storm. God specializes in restoring what was lost. Redemption is about overcoming rejection and uncertainty. Redemption is about restoring what was lost. Redemption is about reclaiming the future. Redemption is about reclaiming the future. It's about reclaiming the future. I want you to see what happens here in the last verse of our text. And may your house be like the house of Perez, who tamer bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. These are the words of the elders as they witness Boaz exercising his right as kinsman redeemer. Redemption is about reclaiming the future. Walk with me here for just a moment. Overcoming rejection and uncertainty, which is certainly what redemption about, is redemption in the past tense. Restoring what was lost, which is certainly what redemption is about, is redemption in my present tense. Reclaiming the future is not about my past, where I've been, or my present, where I am. It's about where I'm going. It's the certainty that God has a purpose and a plan that he wants to affect in my life as part of his redemptive work of giving me and you another chance to be reclaimed for his glory. You see, that verse in Ruth chapter 2, verse 12, where it says, the Lord repays, it also says that the Lord grant a full reward be given to you. Uh, it says a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. The literal translation in Hebrew, because the, 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 the word for, for reward comes from the same triconsonal root as the word repay. It's pronounced differently, and we are perhaps more familiar with it. It's the word shalom, which means peace. Literally, it says in Hebrew, uh, peace from with God himself. In other words, the, the reward that the Lord God the covenant-keeping God, the God of creation, is peace from with himself that he gives us. 
This is the guarantee of God's presence. And when God's presence shows up in our life, we have his protection, we have his power, we have his provision, and above all, we have his peace. That's why when God decided to bombard history with the birth of Jesus Christ, his name shall be called Emmanuel because his presence is with us. His presence abides with us. His presence is in us. His presence makes all the difference because with God in our life, he's able to reclaim our future. What Satan wanted to steal from you and me, (laughs) the, the potential, the possibilities, the prospect, the outlook of a bright future with hope that was stained by sin and lost eternally. The presence of God himself has reclaimed it in our life that we might become what God intended us to be when he made us in his image in the first place. God's not concerned about our comfort, but he is concerned about our character. (laughs) Our comfort Last only while we're here on earth, our character will last all throughout eternity. And there is no eternity without a reclaimed future. Let me show you how God did it for Ruth. See, God gave her an heir. His name was Obed. The name literally means servant. I believe Ruth had a hand in naming him because as she served, her mother-in-law, the vision, the dreams, the aspirations that this child would serve in totality all the days of his life as a worshiper of the covenant-keeping God. May my son serve the Almighty as the Almighty has served me because I have served my mother-in-law. Obed, had a son. His name was Jesse. And Jesse had a son whose name was David. Here we have the grandmother of the great king of Israel. Uh, I hear David when he talks about the peace that only can come from God himself. I hear him saying in Psalm 4 verse 8, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Then in Psalm 119, verse 165, I hear him say, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. You see, that peace allows me to lie down and sleep. Why? Because God makes me dwell in safety. He reclaims the future for me. That peace, when I love his instruction, when I love his commandments, when I love his precepts, nothing can make me stumble because he reclaims my future. Then I would be remiss if I didn't tell us that redemption is is about overcoming rejection 
and uncertainty. Redemption is about reclaiming or restoring rather what was lost. And redemption is about reclaiming the future. And I hear David saying in Psalm 107, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he's redeemed us in the past. He's redeeming us in the presence and his work of redemption guarantees our future. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble. Beloved The good news is God still is in the redeeming business. He can redeem your life just like he redeemed mine. Redeem it from the past of rejection and uncertainty. Redeem it in the present by restoring what was lost and redeeming it for the future by reclaiming the potential and the possibilities of all that you can become in Christ Jesus. All you have to do is just come as you are. Hear the Spirit's call. Come and see. Come receive life everlasting. Hope for tomorrow. What a great joy it is when you surrender your life to Jesus. You can come today just as you are.